Welcome to the Black and Mindfully Unbothered podcast with Dion Christopher, a podcast for the culture offering a blend of news, wellness, and a slight kiki from time to time. On this episode, it turns out black men do read. Find out how a group of black men are changing a book club image one book at a time. Also, hear about which friend of MC Hammer's is too legit to quit when it comes to fairness in HBCU football. And in the Mindful Zone, are you 40 plus and single? Join me and my special guest to discuss mindfully dating at the age of 40 plus. I'll cover these topics and much more, so stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to another episode. I'll let you know now, this is probably, no, it is going to be the longest episode to date just because i got some special guests that I'm excited to um, introduce later on in the episode. But um, yeah, it will be long, so... Go ahead and pause, get you a little drink or a snack or something to um, keep you company while you listen. But, um, you know, I like to start the show just kind of trying to recap periods of my week that uh, might be of interest to you. And so it seems like all the interesting stuff happened for me yesterday. I um, ended up going to the dog park yesterday morning after probably coming in at two o'clock in the morning from a previous night at a little kickback or whatever with some friends but um ended up going to the dog park yesterday morning around eight o'clock in the morning you know i have a golden retriever so um golden retrievers are very active dogs and just love to do their own thing and play and this that the other and so they're smart dogs love them to death love her to death um but very smart very can be very stubborn at times and so just you know golden retrievers are interesting dogs right but anyway take her to the dog park and um, the area that I live in, it's an urban oasis, if you will, of Dallas. And so there are apartment communities and then there are mansions and all these other different types of living situations, condos and um, everything just kind of in one space, a small space at that with shopping and restaurants and things of that nature. But very, very much an urban oasis of different types of people. Um, coming together and getting along right off the tollway at that. Um, so you already know it's craziness, especially with the homeless population growing and whatnot. So this dog park is situated in all of that. And um, here I am, you know, drinking my water and minding my business, um, you know, at the dog park. And I'm approached by 71-year-old White Steve, who um, I guess felt the need to have a conversation with me again i'm not interested in having a conversation typically when i go to the dog park i take my headphones my ipods um and i'm i'm listening to my music just kind of enjoying being at the dog park keeping my eye on my dog for one because them dogs can be a little rough and so i try to get out there early to beat the crowd because people really bring their dog to this dog park and it's not like it's a dog park with any type of you know um swing sets or whatever playground type stuff for dogs i'm like swing sets right um but whatever you know games and puzzles and all of that it's just grass and you know dogs running around having a, the time of their life people out there throwing balls and whatnot so you got to keep your eyes on your dog from time to time and just make sure that they're okay especially a young dog like mine um only being eight months Anyway, Steve decides to take a seat next to me out of all the seats he could have taken in the whole area that we were in. It's next to me. Um, and he's, you know, wanting to engage in conversation. 
and for some reason felt compelled to ask me why all black people have pit bulls. Sir, first of all, what, why in the capacity do you even think it's okay for you to ask me anything, especially why do I believe all black people have pit bulls? For one, I don't know. And so I had to turn it around because at that point he did not know Birkin, a golden retriever, was mine. And I said, well, to your point, sir, I have a white dog, according to a lot of people, you know. Um, and, you know, he kind of looks at me like, you know, that's interesting. You're, you're, you chose the white people's dog, I guess. I don't know. But it just, I'm like, why is this man even having this conversation? So, of course, the next thing I'm thinking is, what's next, right? And so, for whatever reason, we, he decides to start asking me about, um, electric cars and, you know, what did I think about, or what do I think about electric cars and just, it was the weirdest transition of a conversation going from why black people have pit bulls to, you know, what do I think about the electric car industry at this point? And he goes on to tell me about why he doesn't believe electric cars are going to be good and blah, blah, blah. It's so interesting because I kind of had this conversation with my father um, and not that he didn't think that the electric cars could thrive, but he's under the impression that the world isn't ready for electric cars. And I'm like, well, sir, there are several um, dealerships and automakers right now who are only interested in making electric vehicles moving forward so um you know I'm, I'm guessing that generation has something against electric cars a lot of these folks again have worked in the car industry the diesel fuel car industry so they're reluctant to embrace the change that is environmental friendly but anyway again 71 year old white steve is asking me about electric cars i guess i look like i worked for ford at some point in my life with the lens that he he walks around with um, but after that, of course, it led into other conversation. I don't know how electric cars led into Vice President Harris, um, where he called her Camilla Harris. Um, and so I just, again, was like, here we go. I know what type of person I'm dealing with. He started telling me two reasons he did not like Vice President Harris. And I have no clue what those reasons were, honestly. One of them had something to do with electric cars. So I guess she made a statement recently that... He felt she lied, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if Vice President Harris is running around here, you know, building up the electric car industry. Maybe she is. I have no clue. But she's doing her job as Vice President White Steve, who is 71-year-old with bad knees. But, yeah, all of that, again, learning about his bad knees from being in um, the military. And, again, you know, these military folks and how they feel about America and how America should look. It just, you know, at some point, Steve decided to tell me that he doesn't believe prejudice exists in our world. Sir, Steve, now this is, again, I'm not providing a lot of reaction to Steve's questions because I really don't want to hear Steve. And again, I had my AirPods in my ear. Beyonce Renaissance was still slowly or lightly playing in the background of Steve's conversation. I'm not interested in hearing anything white Steve is talking about at this point. And the fact that you want to continuously try to engage me in these conversations, Steve, it just it got to the point where I couldn't deal. But when he said prejudice doesn't exist, 
I said, well, you know, and he he paused when he said that because he knew that I was about to have a reaction. And um, I said, well, maybe not from your standpoint, but maybe you can look at it as stereotypes certainly exist. You know, I believe prejudice exists. I believe discrimination exists and I believe stereotypes exist. And so he was telling me, yeah, you're right. Da, 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 da. You know, he wanted to agree with me at that point. Um, and then discuss something about policing and how he's from Chicago and he was a doctor at one point and, um, you know, worked in the toughest area of Chicago and never felt, you know, safe and blah, 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 and figured he would need to wear his white coat so that he would be protected and, you know, he wouldn't be shot by any of the craziness in Chicago. So it was just a real stupid conversation at the end of the day all of this took place probably in like a 12 minute time span by the way because at that point my dog was ready to leave the dog park anyway and steve certainly um made me want to leave the dog park so 71 year old white steve wherever you are sir you and your raggedy knees i hope you can walk later on this week with all that prejudice going on prejudice kills it hurts don't do that to yourself steve what else? After that, I, uh, I actually last night I got a chance to go to a birthday party um, right here in Dallas. Good old Dallas. I was a plus one to a birthday party that required you to come in formal attire. So, um, you know, for me, this was just a remix of the tux that I wore a few uh, weeks back when I uh, actually you heard about that at on the last episode, I believe. Um to the wedding that I got a chance to go to back home during Labor Day weekend. So I was able to remix, you know, the tux a little bit, add color to it. This time, last time I wore all black. This time I add color to it because I was told that, you know, once we arrived, there would be a red carpet and um, pictures would be taken and there would be some filming occurring. And so I didn't know what that meant in terms of filming because, you know, I, I didn't know if this was a reality show or, you know, what, what's taking place again, me being a plus one, the one that invited me couldn't really explain to me exactly what was going on either. So, you know, I was asked to show up looking a certain way and that's exactly what I did. It was, um, in an industrial vent area of Dallas, I should say an industrial area of Dallas, but, um, the venue itself was, it was nice, nicely decorated inside. It, uh, looked great in terms of the draping and once you you know once we walked in and did our thing on the red carpet where we actually got interviewed i was asked what inspired my fashion choice for the evening so it felt very i think the invitation even said think oscars and so they really went out the way to give it an oscar like moment or a red carpet moment i'd say anyway it certainly yeah i mean no let me take that back it you know there was references to movies and so I don't know if the person's birthday, um, I don't know if he's a big movie buff or I'm, I'm curious to know how we landed on the theme of, um, yeah, feeling like we were at the movies at some point. So, again, describing the inside of the venue, it was more of a, a old, um, it looked like a garage shed, as one person put it. But again, the, the decorations, you, you had to be really paying attention to understand um why it looked like a garage shed you know looking past the decorations itself um but the drapery that was in there the lighting that was in there you know it just the only complaint that i have actually a few but um you know for the request for us to really show up 
and show out in terms of fashion um the environment there was no air flowing through this space last night folks and when i tell you there were probably 200 people maybe packed into the space and because the space was kind of one large room there were tables uh with maybe eight people around each table that took up even more space so for you know i think uh seating arrangements for maybe 60 to 80 people table wise the rest of us had to stand up right and so crowd wise we were kind of close to one another with no air flowing through this space plus they had an open bar and you know folks want to drink so it was just not comfortable for me um, for a lot of people, everybody was complaining about the, the heat itself and just, you know, the nerve for the place to even have ceiling fans and the ceiling fans not be blowing at that point. There was one floor fan, guys. I kid you not, like a small industrial size floor fan at that that was turned on and blowing. And so the thing was, it flipped back and forth <laughs> in directions. So people, depending on if you were by that fan section and you were trying to cool off, People were flipping the fan back and forth. And so if you were on the left side at one point, you were angry because the right side flipped it back over onto them. It was just, it was, yeah, it was not a good look. And so the nerve for even that floor fan to show up tells me that these people possibly knew that there was no air. I'm sure they knew that there were there was no air when they booked this facility. And um, again, maybe they were thinking it would be cooler. Actually, it had been cooler the last couple of weeks here in Dallas, but it's back up in like the 90s, mid 90s now. And of course that building, the roof looked to be made of tin metal. So all of that heat just was coming in throughout the day. The place probably was not able to cool off by the time the party really started at eight o'clock or about 8.30 is when we started walking the carpet. Um, so yeah, it was hard to enjoy even with free drinks. You know, I had to limit how I was drinking, making sure I got the water in there because it was just so hot and sweating through you know my my tux there were some great outfits last night i mean these folks really came out showed out in terms of the uh fashions but it was a fashion show with fashions but no ac at the end of the day so just i gave it a c minus it would have been an a plus all day but that lack of air yeah i can't do that so I appreciate the invite, though. I did have a uh, when when I minus all of that, subtract all of that from the idea of last night and what it could have been. You know, I did have a good time. It just the night could have lasted a whole lot longer for me with some air conditioning. So please have some air if you are going to throw a party next time in the summertime. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to take a quick break for a quick moment and be right back. Football legend, head coach of Jackson State University, Deion Sanders. Um, yeah, he's a little upset about, you know, what's going on in college football right now in terms of uh, HBCU teams ask, asking to compete in what he considers um, and what the league knows as beatdown games, you know. And so what happens is, um, 
you know, for those of you who may not be familiar with what he's talking about, you got a lot of the what are considered power five um, power five leagues uh, in college football that, you know, these are the teams that you probably hear about the most, the uh, Georgias, the Alabamas, the uh, Florida States, those teams that are in those power five leagues, they often invite teams that are of a lower caliber, if you will, um, to, to play in opening season games or early or games that take place early in the season as well in order to really get some more practice in. That's kind of how a lot of uh, people may look at this as an opportunity to showcase that they have a great squad and it's really a practice game for them because a lot of times an Alabama plan an HBCU or a Georgia plan a HBCU they're going to come in and beat them down you know I watched a little bit of Georgia and South Carolina yesterday and South Carolina is a, a pretty competitive SEC teams in most years but Georgia put the beat down on them yesterday so imagine a team like number one Georgia Bulldogs playing you know somebody like Morehouse imagine what that score would be right and so um, what happens is these teams the team the the larger teams they end up um, I think that was my dog like squeezing a toy that's crazy <clears throat> they end up paying these schools to play them and um, Deion Sanders is upset that HBCUs are not being offered the amounts that he feels like they should be offered to really come in and get a beat down. And he's probably right. Right. You know, a lot of these schools um, are collecting between I think I saw five hundred and ninety thousand to maybe up to seven hundred thousand to play a game. And they use these funds to fund their own athletic program. And so he's saying, hey, we need more money if you're going to expect us to come in and be embarrassed, sometimes on national TV or within their regional market. You know, at least the game is still being showcased. And so it puts those teams in a different light when it's being showcased in the market that, you know, they have the opportunity to get some name recognition. But at the same time, they come off looking like they can't play, like they cannot run, um, you know, with these other big schools. And so. A lot of times that's the reality of it, depending on how you look at recruitment. So he's thinking that, you know, offer HBCUs up to a million so that they can at least make it worth their while if you expect them to come in and get beat down. So he says, if we're going to get out here and get our butt kicked, shouldn't it be worth it? You know, um, and so he's again saying that everyone is about, you know, uh, 500 to 600 thousand dollars. But shouldn't we get together as HBC, HBCUs? And say we are not going to play these beatdown games unless we get this amount. And so he's kind of leading the charge for that in um, college football when it comes to, you know, the disparity that is happening when it comes to HBCUs and how much they're making. Just for, you know, reference, a lot of these schools um, that are considered smaller and playing larger schools, they're receiving like $1.25 million. Um, even my alma mater, Georgia Southern, got $1.4 million for playing Nebraska so, you know, again, Georgia Southern um, is a small regional school in many aspects, especially when it comes to sports. And so, you know, why couldn't an HBCU, which is also a small regional school in many cases, why shouldn't they get, you know, one million or more just like some of these other predominantly white schools? So that's that's Deion Sanders. And I, I completely agree with him in terms of how he feels when it comes to that disparity. So, you know, hopefully the charge can be led 
and um, we see what happens on that front. Uh, common criticism of you, your music isn't black enough. Look, I don't know how to sing black and I don't know how to sing white either. I know how to sing. The world is getting another, yet another <laughs> Whitney Houston movie. Um, I don't know if you all saw this or knew about this. I had no clue another Whitney Houston movie is about to come out. Um, I want to dance with somebody coming to theaters near Christmas. So get ready um, for those Christmas dates and whatnot for you Whitney fans. December 21st, it is expected to hit um, theaters across the nation, I suppose. And um, this one is a little bit different. It's billed as an emotional, energetic journey through Houston's career in music. So I think I saw clips of her or from this trailer um from her um the the it looks like they expand from when she first started singing and i didn't even realize that she started singing because her mother lost her voice one night it, it i i don't know that i had ever really heard this story this way um but yeah because sissy lost her voice in a, a performance in which clive davis happened to be at um, I guess I've always heard that Clive Davis discovered Whitney, but I guess I didn't know how that discovery really occurred. Um, and so they're going to take it from the very beginning up until I think I saw clips of the actress who is Naomi Aki. Aki. Um, she's playing Whitney in this version and they're taking it all the way up to it's not right, but it's OK. That was my jam for real, for real. Um, so they're really going to expand and we're going to see a lot. We know what occurred in Whitney's life um, in that time frame. And so we'll see how far they take it. Um, all the other movies, of course, have come on TV. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how this version plays off. It's similar to, you know, I guess if we go back and look at the Aretha Franklin uh, movies the comparison and I, I'll be honest I I did not really get through the Jennifer Hudson version because I was so full of life from the version um, that came on National Geographic and I forgot the actress she everybody knows her I can't think of her name right now but um, that portrayal that she gave was just I mean and and plus it expanded much more um, they had time because it was a miniseries they had time to really expand the story that they were telling about queen aretha whereas you know with this whitney musical or mu or movie um time has passed since we've seen one and so you know there probably will still be some comparisons but not that most immediate comparison that we got with the queen aretha franklin's um different portrayals and so i'm interested to see how this movie plays out i will tell you now I'm not about to run to the theater and see it but um at some point I'm sure I'll get my hands on it and looking forward to see how they portray Whitney Broadway theater honors James Earl Jones um James Earl Jones one of our most iconic actors in black acting I'm sorry if you hear my dog just going in right now this is her way of getting my attention it's not cute um, but, um, she is out there squeezing her toy for life. Sounds like, but again, Broadway theater is set to honor. I believe they've already done this, but they're honoring James Earl Jones with renaming the court theater. And so, um, the court theater is on Broadway and is in an area called the great white way. 
I thought that was interesting. I don't know how that, you know, relates to Broadway. I'm sure it does in some way. And I'd be curious to, and I probably should look into this. What does the great white way entail when it comes to Broadway? But believe it or not, um, he is the second, or this will be the second theater um, on the great white way named after a black artist. So again, we've been around on this country in this country since 1619 and you know we're just now getting our second <laughs> theater named after a black or okay make it make sense but anyway um james earl jones that man's career has expanded like over six seven decades and um he's played everything from othello to you know king jaffe is probably the role that many of us um remember him for the most at this point if depending on where you fall in terms of modern television and movie um king joffrey joffy um in coming to america and you know he made a, a reappearance in that um we were wondering in the sequel that came out 20 something years later maybe right at 20 years later uh, wondering would we get to see king joffy and he made a very short appearance towards the end i believe um i only saw that version one time and have not ran back to it since you know what i think i'm going to revisit it just because you know i have the option to and i don't really remember it as well as i remember the original so you know shout out to james earl jones it says the renaming comes after a wide broadway coalition of theater owners producers union leaders creators and casting directors hammered out a series of reforms and commitments in 2021 for the theater industry to ensure equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility. So we see that industries are changing the way they look at um, inclusion and diversity and just um, opening the door for more opportunity for all. And um, I appreciate that. But again, it's 2022. This man has been around for 70 years. Should have been gotten there by now, but we welcome it. His name will live on forever. He's still with us. He is in his 90s, I believe, 91-ish maybe. Um, so James Earl Jones is still with us and, and God bless that man for his catalog of work. I like this next story. Um, there is a black men's book club up in Chicago and um, that's probably it's needed everywhere, but it's certainly needed in Chicago. And so I really, really am happy I came across this story because it just motivates me and inspires me to want to read more i think you heard me say in an earlier episode that i have commitment issues when it comes to reading um and so you know with all this modern technology i certainly prefer audibles at this point audiobooks but there is something special about being able to pick up a book and actually highlight read make note i'm doing that now for a book at work but um yeah black men's book club in chicago it brings black men together for camaraderie and conversation surrounded by um or surrounding art books food culture various social issues that are impacting the community and so um, this was started by an attorney alex breland um, he launched the visible man review last january during COVID, and now the group it has more than 24 members between the ages of 30 and 75 and so um he reached out to friends and colleagues just, you know, once it started, kind of like I'm doing when it comes to this podcast. You know, he reached out to support to get some support with the effort. And um, it says that, you know, the visible visible man review, um, the name was actually inspired by Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. So every month members get together and choose books. Lord, they're reading 
a book a month. See, that's again because of my commitment issues. I don't know if I can do it, but um, you know, most of the books are focused on the African diaspora, and um, you know, they end up encouraging recommended books as well um, outside of that. So it says they're they're reading titles such as "I Came as a Shadow," "Things Fall Apart," "Incognito." Um, the Plot Against America, and Three Girls from Bronzeville. So a lot of these books I have heard of. Uh, most of them I have not. And so, you know, maybe this will inspire me to pick up some of these. Um, I'll probably end up listening to them on Audible because, again, that's my go-to. But just to know that I have some options here based off what they're doing. I'm going to try to follow them. I don't know if they have social media, but I'll see if um, I can follow them. And um, hopefully be able to share this resource with you so um, speaking of i am hoping to develop a website that is tied to this podcast specific to this podcast where i can go back and link resources things that i've discussed things that you may want to follow up on on your own and so stay tuned for that um you know i can't give you a launch date because i just discovered that i had the ability to do this but i'm really really hoping to um you know keep you engaged not just when you're listening to me but outside of this give you an opportunity to explore some of these ideas topics and resources on your own so real quick going to take a break but after the break i'll go into our uh mindful zone segment with some very very special guests of mine and tonight we are discussing mindfully dating after 40 so stay tuned for that conversation Welcome back to the Black and Mindfully Unbothered podcast with Dion Christopher. I am excited because I have two guests finally appearing on my show. Yay, everybody's been like, you need some dialogue. So today I hope to have some great dialogue with two people I've known for a very, very long time. Two female friends of mine, one I've grown up with, one I, I met in college. And we've known each other for over 20 years when I really think about it. I've known um, one of my guests for more than 25 years. So I'll start with Diana. You've heard me mention her before, um, especially if you uh, listened to the last episode. But my best friend, Diana, is in the building. Say what's up to the people, Diana. Woo! Hey, podcast people. <laughs> this is Diana coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. I am a whopping 41 years old single mother wait why are you making this sound like a dating this sounds like a dating interview Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm just concerned (laughs) you never know who's listening so so no okay thank you diana i'm glad you are here today we also have my friend andrea who i met in college through diana i believe i can't remember i think that was our first introduction but um andy also hails from the atlanta georgia area tell us a little bit about who you are andy because the world needs to know actually we met in a small little trailer on the georgia southern campus team communication arts teams okay um yes hello i am andrea also known as andy I'm also 41. I live in Dallas, Georgia. I am basically a single mother, basically because I am in the process of a divorce, but not a bitter divorce. So I am also a single mother. Um, I enjoy slow walks through um, 
<laughs> Listen, when, once we go live on YouTube, right, we will have to go live on YouTube to get that kind of response y'all looking for. Um, but no, the reason why they're sharing their age is because for this mindful zone, we want to really talk or I want to focus on like what dating after 40 feels like um, at this point. You know, we're all in our early 40s, me being 41, everybody on here being 41 at this point. And you heard Andy mention that she's going through a divorce, Diana being single. I'm very much single and ready to mingle. So it's like I know Diana and I have had different um, experiences recently when it comes to dating and just, you know, going through um, those moments. And it's like, why is this still happening? Why am I 41 for one? And, you know, not even married. Andy, you have been married. Um, and even, you know, you know, you had that experience, but it has led to divorce. And so you're about to get back in these streets as a single mother and hopefully find, you know, Mr. Right at some point. But like, what is this process like just understanding this process at this point? Um, that's one of the things I'm wrestling like what what's different about dating in my 30s versus 40s? and like the mindset of dating them and what is it that I ultimately want that to look like so what I'll, I'll start with you Andy um, well no Diana because again Andy's not really out there in these streets but you know um, Diana what do you think is different for you I guess dating in your 30s versus now your early 40s like what what is different and is there stuff that you've like taken from your 30s that you feel like you can still adapt into this new decade of dating you know I, I think a lot has changed um i think as you get older and you start to really figure out who you are and your likes and dislikes um my patience is is real thin um, i found after 40 especially being a working woman um, the good morning text, like, I don't care. Um, you don't have to send me those. At all. Or personalize my shit. Can we cuss? Sorry. Yes. Um, cuss the, all you want. The, it's explicit. <laughs> the, the random good morning, sweetie, good morning, baby. Like, I feel like I hated that in my 30s. But now that I'm 41, I really hate those. <laughs> um, because I feel like it's a distribution list. Like at work, like when you send out. Not copy all. <laughs> One distribution not list. my good morning host <laughs> distribution list <laughs> yes yes that's what it feels like and little things like that bother me now more than they did when I was 30 because you know I peak game you know at this point and I know what you're doing so I little things like that um, bother me and I, I really feel like it's because um, my patience for dating has changed because I know my time is limited right you know, we're out here um, living real, whole for real lives. Um, in our 40s, we have careers. We have things to do like go to the store, get gas. <laughs> <laughs> and gas, you can... Shop. <laughs> right, real life. You know, and we have full, busy lives. So I feel like if at this point I'm going to even try to make time for someone, it needs to be worth it, right? And I don't have time to think seriously. So, yeah, at this point, it's definitely much bigger. The stakes are greater, you know, for me, too, because I have a young son. He's almost three. Um, that definitely changes the game because not only do I have to juggle, 
being a single mother, a working mother, um, still trying to have a social life, friends, and now I have to fit in a piece of mail. Like, I, where does he fit in? Right. So again, you know, he has to be more than wonderful at this point. No, that's right. Andy, how about you for you, like being a new divorcee, you're not in these streets right now, but what do you hope you can get past in terms of, you know, once you start getting back out there? Because I'm sure you're talking to cousins, girlfriends, friends, you're, you're, you're on these Instagram streets, you see what the ladies are going through in terms of dating right now. And it's almost probably scary to even think about, I have to raise my child and try to find another man in my life, you know, like, so what, what? Yeah, how do you feel about all of that at this point? <laughs> Are you looking forward to any of it is the real question. Um, I guess for me, I got, it's a 50-50 split. On one side, I got the happily married. And on the other side, I got my crew. The truth is I'm tired. Listen. Pamela Mandrew. Okay. We tired. <laughs> We're working. Or like me, you might be on long-term disability at the moment. You got other stuff going on and trying to think about going back to work, raising a daughter, and then got somebody's son wanting you to raise them too. But I digress. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where is my drum my roll? I'm ready to mingle is on layaway. Every time I think, oh, it'll be fun to be back today. I'm good. At the same time, I'm like, do I feel like doing this? Because I'm like, Diana, I still got some learning to do. She's ahead of me. Cause I like a little good morning text. So put me on the on the list, sir. Mm. That's fine right now. I'll take it. <laughs> I will be on the list, sir. Not schedule my email. I'm a Pisces, and that hopeless romantic in me is like, but I might be the one they actually mentioned. My name was first on the list, sir. Okay, alphabetical but, order. Know. I like that. <laughs> no, that's. I, you know what? I think I'm glad you brought up signs. I am a Pisces as well. And I think I, I'm in between. I think you're a March Pisces. I'm a February Pisces, by the way. And so there is a, a difference in, in how we approach, um, I guess, romance. But we both desire it, right? Like the Pisces, yeah. that's the thing we desire. So for me, I think if you're going to text me, I don't know. I think I, it's more so about me having to be in the mood to receive it. Like some mornings that text works for me but other times it's like nah most i'm 40 and i really don't even look at my phone yeah. first thing in the morning um i could care less about what's on the phone sometimes first thing in the morning you've heard me talk about that before on this show um and so yeah i just think going forward there has to be for me in my 40s there has to be another way to grasp my attention and really make me want to receive that attention from you over time like it it certainly it could be through text but i guess again that depends on who you are too and you know what you bring into the table in my life at that point i don't know what um the other caveat yeah. of that would be i like that text but i'm also very much not about the game so i'm like so what you mean by that text because you've been texting me good morning hey how you doing how are you all through the day and then you disappeared over the weekend so what is this exactly exactly because waste time i don't want to waste your time nope yes it's early but i need to know early on if i'm going to be gone or if i'm going to stick around so, so that's just me i need to know up front like is this a good layaway or is this one where i need to put it back because i didn't need it in the first place i so don't want to know up front that, that's, that's probably too much like right to want that but that's what i want that's crazy because it's almost like i asked what lessons have crossed over but we've had to like perfect and edit how we receive some of this game that we were getting in our 30s and taking it over into our 40s because it does mean so much differently i think um and and just like they say words have power i think you know a text is made of words and so 
sometimes it can mean a whole lot more to people um, than it does to others. I'm kind of like you, Diana. Sometimes I know I'm on a distribution list, especially if you send something with the wrong fucking name. But uh, (laughs) that's a whole nother (laughs) nother episode. So, Diana, I'll kind of ask you, like, how are you approaching dating um, right now, especially as a single black woman in her 40s? Like, what what is the approach to that? Um, The approach has been not to. But, you know, now that uh, Asher, my son, is getting a little bit older, I do feel like I'm starting to see a little more time open up. Um, And, you know, I tried the Facebook dating another free app because I just don't feel like I'm quite ready to go out here in these paid streets like a match or an eHarmony like I don't really think I'm at that point yet I kind of just want to dip my toe in to the pool a little bit but not dive all the way in with a somersault and a flip I'm not quite there yet so (laughs) I decided to try a little Facebook dating and it was um, trash you know much much like it was you know with the other apps three four plenty of fish and whatnot you know on the sea um it just seemed like a hodgepodge of people i don't know and then it, it still seems the same where it's hard to like really engage um, someone because mm-hmm. it's like as soon as you match, you have that quick okay, so who's gonna say something? Right. First. Why is that so hard for people? Expecting the man to say something. Traditional. And then <laughs> traditional, right? And then if you don't, I'm like, what was the point? <laughs> so that's what you know. I'm saying. Imagine when it's two men. <laughs> we both waiting <laughs> on each other to say something. <laughs> both just sitting here waiting on each other right. to say something Ego. and at that point I've lost interest because I already didn't have time in the first place so I'm not about to keep going back and checking to see if somebody actually reached out or just kind of I don't know so my approach really has been to kind of dip my toe in see what's out there and you know if I have time for it then I have time if I don't then I don't so, Andy, I'm going to kind of let this question be for you, because I think a lot of times when we're dating, um, you know, I'll, and I'll speak for myself, sometimes I think I mistake infatuation for love. And so was there ever any point where and you this this might be too personal? I don't know. Um, but do you ever feel or looking back on your marriage and, and the beginning and the even the dating phase were you ever infatuated before you were in love when you think about it or was it you know just pure love that was like yes i'm here for this and this is going to be my husband and forever happily ever after whatever they say how how was that for you <laughs> oh i got to laugh was a love but there's a difference between a love and being fully in love and unfortunately a series of events happened for you to realize exactly where you were and I think you have to be honest with yourself with what I learned with this because he participated in some things that I didn't and I said up front to him I don't do that and I don't want to be a nag to you that's your thing that's what you like to do 
I gave him several several opportunities to take it out, but I didn't take it out myself. You see what I mean? Mm. So if it's like if it's something I knew that I didn't like and I didn't want around me, I should have took that out for myself. I should have tried to give this person the opportunity to say, well, if you fine with me not being able to deal with it and nagging on occasion, then we gonna work through this because you're fine with it. But what about me? And now that's being catapulted to years of all these things that built up and all these red flags and moments of me saying, mm, should I take this out? <laughs> and I didn't take that mm. out. So just being honest with yourself because yeah, I loved them. But it's like after a while, you got to love yourself too. And if there's things going on where you're having to make yourself feel smaller yeah, for somebody else to feel bigger, then absolutely not. Let's exit. Let's wrap it up. Because just, you know, throwing a throw diarrhea though <laughs> I almost lost my life last year and I had already told my husband when I was pregnant I was like okay well we can think about counseling again after the baby's here because I didn't want that stress going back and forth mm. but I almost died when you wake up and somebody says oh we almost lost you oh yeah let me go on and call this, um, these attorneys and see who I'm going to get to represent me right. for the divorce because no, no. I'm like I'm not wasting another minute and I don't want my daughter to think this is an example of what a healthy relationship looks like. So it was like, yeah, it's time. I so say yeah. all that to say, yeah, there was love, but was it the type of love that a marriage should be built on? Were we equally yoked? No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, no, I think you you lead to a couple of good thoughts there, just where now it is dating with intention and knowing when to take the out, I think. And so um, one of the things that I'm learning better as I get out here in these streets and date and, you know, and and at some point I'm going to use this platform to like really tell the story of the last six years of my life. Um, And, you know, it's a lot of hiding that we do anyway when we are going through um, stuff in in relationships and tough times. And so um, I think, you know, just where I'm at now trying to move past it. It's keeping me up at night. I think the situation does live rent free in my head, whether I want to admit that or not. Um, and so I said at some point, this platform will be used to really tell that TMZ version of, you know, big VH1 lifetime behind the scenes version of the last six years for the point of healing and, and being intentional about knowing what I want differently for real, for real next time. And, and knowing when to take the out, you know, you hit on some points where you made it all the way to a marriage, um, and, and resisted on taking the out where there were opportunities for me to jump out of the fucking parachute early, early. And I, and I wasn't even looking towards a ring or for a ring. And I just kept pulling the chain to go up further up in the air um you know with the hot air balloon instead instead of jumping out with the fucking parachute um and so yeah (laughs) right right hopefully a cloud to catch me (laughs) but like diana for you what does intention look like at this point when it comes to dating at 40 are you dating with intention um and what does that look like So I definitely do want to date with intention. 
Um, but I think to be fair to, you know, someone that I might meet that actually does have um, genuine intentions as well, I need to be in the right headspace and in the right, you know, place in my life to date with intention. Um, because what I don't want to do is meet the man of my dreams and then, you know, I'm still not right or, you know, I'm still not fully healed and then it becomes, you know, right person, wrong time or, or something like that. So, you know, really I've been kind of just self-reflecting and making sure that I'm in a good space um, to really put myself out there to date with intention. Do you, um, and this is for either one of you, like, I know in my 30s, I was really relying heavily on some type of chemistry. And, and don't get me wrong, chemistry is certainly necessary. Um, but, you know, Diana knows better than anybody that I, you breathe wrong. I can't be with you anymore. Uh, <laughs> or <laughs> I didn't like that gray hair from that eyebrow was looking. So, no, this isn't going to work. Um, but... <laughs> I think what I didn't do a good job of was um, I get or I did a bad job at was, you know, solely relying on chemistry versus giving myself the opportunity to fill out a situation Um, like how, how does that look for you at this point? Are you giving yourself time to fill out situations on from a dating perspective, Diana and, and Andy, however you want to approach that question as well? Either one. or desire to entertain it you know at the time it just has to be something more for me like I have to really see you putting in effort um in order for me to accept what it is that you're putting out there Mm -hmm. so if it's someone that's really genuine with how they're reaching out to me if I feel that they're genuine and you know their words and um, how they're approaching me, then I'm more likely to reciprocate uh, and want to see take it further and and let it play out and not dismiss it. But again, if you want some random, good morning, sweetie, hey baby, <laughs> you're not calling me by my call me by my name, right? Then, <laughs> you know, then I'm probably gonna dismiss you. Well. Uh... You got something you want to add to that, Andy? Ish. I just know I really need self-edit. Because me, during the get-to-know-you, I'm like you. Like, if there's a chemistry there, I'm like, okay, we're vibing. This is great. We're going to be boyfriend-girlfriend in the next month or so. And then once I get in with somebody, then I'm super chill and laid back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as pressed. It's like, oh, we're here now, so I'm good. But when I'm trying to figure out what exactly are you why are you here 
Like, do you like me? What is this? That I'm a little too eager. But once I know why you're here, then I'm super chill. I need the stuff edited through the reverse and be super chill up front because that's always been my uh, my downfall. And then again, taking the out myself. Like one of my exes before this, before the husband, I was working part-time at Macy's. And I think he thought he was the prize because he probably thought, oh, she's just working at the mall. She's going to think I'm, <laughs> I'm the king of the world. Oh. Dude had a botched eyebrow. Oh, wow. A, a botched eyebrow. Like, he would get his eyebrows cleaned up. And one of them looked like, I don't know what happened, but one of them looked really bad. It was botched. It was like a little nick here, a little cut here, mm. zigzag here. It was bad. And then the other one was regular. And he had on a two little shirt, and I was over there roasting him to my coworker. Like, look at this here. And I'm like, why he keep looking at me? And then when he came to talk to me, I was like, he got the nerve to come talk to me. And I said, okay, why? I already knew he wasn't my type. <laughs> so it's like, why did you even take this number? And then he ain't your type, but he cheated on you. So now you really oh. like, oh, see, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> and it wasted all my time. <laughs> Like, you weren't even my type and you cheated on me. <laughs> and then you got me over here watching your live performances every day with this behind the music lifestyle that we're living. No, man. Why am I here? No, man. Every day it's like, why am I here? And I never took the out until I had to finally make myself take the out. So that's, that's it. I need to make sure I'm taking the out for myself. Quit trying to let other people take the out for what they don't like about me and decide if I want to deal with what they're bringing up front right that's, that's what i need to do most certainly i think um certainly for me I, I went on a date recently that um this was the second date you know because after the first date i, I already knew i should have took the out <laughs> um but i was like you know what i'm trying to introduce a different way of this dating perspective and you know um i think i never mind i can't relive the story because i think he might to this i don't know um (laughs) well i just knew that after date two that 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 wasn't for me um and you know and and but i also try to look at it from his perspective where he might have a different timeline and so part of me dating um nowadays includes communication like be very clear if you know your intentions when you're dating um you know, be very clear about that up front. Now, granted, your intentions might change with me based off goals we set together, but that's going to take some time to get there as well. But let me know if you just out here in these streets and you looking for a good time. Hell, it might be a Saturday night that I'm looking for a good time too. And, you know, let's go bowling, do whatever, and then go have a real good time. Maybe I don't know. Um, but that's all i'm asking for like be very clear let me switch gears real quick and um ask andy you being married before diana out here trying to get married what do you think it is about black men in marriage at this point like is it where it, it and i don't have statistics in front of me i didn't know i was going to even ask this question but it just seems like black men when it comes to marriage were you know still going down the hill um in terms of just the two mindsets when it comes to the male and the female just aren't there and marriage is not 
working or it's not even being thought about in relationships at this point um, that have gone past three, four years. You know, um, what do you think it is about black men and marriage at this point? 2022. I have no clue. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't have the answer. I think one thing I would ask if I were to get married, remarry one day is why do you want to get married? I need to know why they really want that. Because if they just want it because all their friends are getting married, mm-hmm. that's it. We don't want that guy. If they just want to get married because they're getting old and that's the thing to do, questions that don't have answers but they make for great dialogue <laughs> diana anything you want to add to that um you know i think marriage is just i don't want to say if it states um it's real jurassic world you know and um <laughs> at this point now steven spielberg directed. i don't jurassic world dominion um <laughs> you know it I think that before, back in the day, people used to get married like more out of um, convenience. Like, okay, I'm making two dollars, you making two dollars. Right. Let's make four dollars together. Um, and it was more of like a necessity. Mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, as we progress as society, and you know, even though we're still a glass ceiling for women, like you know, we're in our bag. Like women have coin now, so they don't necessarily need um, the to women's be married, movement like, ruined from it all. Financial <laughs> aspect, mm-hmm. because you know, we're in our bag and we have coins now. Um, and so I think that if you are going to get married, it has to really be like, you know, Andy said, like for the right reasons. Um, what are the right reasons now, though? Like, because those were the reasons back in the day. So what are the right. reasons now, day? Men need to know this. They probably don't even know. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, you know, a lifelong partnership is someone to build with. Um, do you really want to die alone? I mean, do you want to die on Match.com? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Looking for a partner to die with? That's going to be the um, description. Not die with an expert. I mean, there's a, a number of reasons. You know, spiritually. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to be out in these streets forever? Like, who really wants to do that? At, at some point, you want a life partner, someone you can build with, grow old with. Um, and, and I think Andy hit on one thing earlier. You really have to have life, you know, values and things um, in common. 
you know, so that you don't have to completely change who you are um, in this marriage and the other person doesn't have to change who they are. Um, because I know you haven't asked this question, Tion, yet, but why is the divorce rate so high now? Mm. I mean, it's for another show, but okay. Let's talk about that on the next episode. But is that? I mean, you, my, my, my. The first thing that comes to mind is because people people aren't ready for marriage. Um, that's why the divorce rate is so high. That's the first answer that comes to mind. And I that's think, and I think when I say that, me never being married before, let me be very clear. Um, but I've watched a lot, lot of TV, loved and lock up. You think them niggas is ready to be married after they come out of jail? No. Um, any other love is no. blind. All of, the the experimental dating is what's happening, which is again leading to folks not being ready for marriage for real, for real. Like they might have convinced themselves in their mind, their head that and again we've somehow gotten away from dating but dating does lead to marriage so it's like you have to get it right in the dating phase of you know that relationship and maybe not speed through dating i think sometimes people put a time frame on i can only be engaged for so long you know because they start letting other folks get in their head about y'all been engaged for six years now and blah 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 well perhaps you know that engagement is really working for them because they're figuring it out for whatever reason who really knows but we again put negative um connotations around how people approach their engagement or their marriage or whatever um especially when they're not they don't appear to be ready to the outside world so that's kind of my two cents from that standpoint i don't know it's false representation. Ah. Because <laughs> when you're dating, you're either going in as yourself, mm-hmm. like this is me, flaws and I'll take it or leave it, or you're going in with that representative. How long are you going to stay in the representative mode is the question. Because some people will fake it until you finally really see their dark side. Mm. And then it's like, now can I deal with that? Because I've been talking to you for two three years and i've seen you upset but i hadn't seen this side what are your finances looking like you was tiptoeing around finances for the longest now we're here where we both are making these decisions together and i'm really seeing oh this is why you always kind of tiptoeing around conversations like that because Mm. you don't know what you're doing what about kids tiptoeing tiptoeing so it's like you have to force those hard conversations or you're going to end up marrying somebody and realizing you never really knew the person at all and i think that's that part of the whole yeah that's the part of learning to go into it with intention at this point is you've 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 gone through experiences i think we've all gone through experiences where we can look back and said had i just asked this question or had i just followed that gut instinct um you know and stopped ignoring the red flag um, because, and this is me speaking personally, um, of a moment that felt like love when it was really infatuation. Um, you know, I don't want those. I want to be more clear-minded now as I go back through this process because I don't want to waste another six years. That's a long time that flew by and. Um, a majority of it was not you know happy 
<laughs> so that's that's kind of how I feel. We're in our forties now. Could we normalize asking for references? Because I feel Absolutely. like I'm gonna start asking for references. That's what I said I was gonna do. Like, can you get your mama I need on the three phone? Three people you dated, <laughs> three coworkers, <laughs> three cousins. Right. Like, I need representation to either vouch for you or tell me to run. Like, I need some references. Yeah. And, Got a and... credit check. <laughs> you better you better come on with it. It's, it's really like getting a job. That's the sad part. I hate going on dates, first dates that turn into interviews. Um, and, and we'll slowly start wrapping this up because we have clearly gone through this. Probably doesn't even feel like 35 minutes, right? Um, but I guess like in terms of um, 40s and dating mindfully or mindfully dating... Andy, I'll start with you because you will be going back through this process. And as you are, you know, going through your divorce and whatnot, you're wondering, you know, what's next? How, how will this look? So how will you approach mindfully dating once you step back into the streets? Um, self-edit as far as taking the out and valuing what I want for me versus what that person might want for them and making them have those hard conversations because if they're really vested and interested in me they're, they're going to be willing to have that conversation anybody else that's a red flag mm. good answer good answer Diana how will you approach mindfully dating or how have you been approaching it if you have I know you ain't <laughs> <laughs> she's out here it's about this well, free I app wanna, I did want to second Okay. Um, on Friday, and you know, I am I'm keeping a more open mind on um, not having the same, I guess, physical attributes and things I want to have looked for <laughs> in my twenties and thirties. A little more open now to my gut. Okay, we um, like gut. <laughs> Tall guts. Getting them um, guts. I can't. Never mind. The height um, (laughs) challenge. I'm a little more open to those that are lower to the ground than Um, I would. Sherman Hemsley bet not show up. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow. No, Um, we're not doing that. I'm just trying to take those things, you know, out of the physical attributes that used to be a deal breaker for me okay. I'm going to approach differently in my 40s um, because you know things can be worked on you know I know I have flaws so I definitely can't be out here looking for perfection um, but I also would like to you know agree with something Andy mentioned too is having those difficult conversations like talk about your childhood talk about you know, how you grew up, um, talk about the, the elephant in the room, finances, all of those things mm-hmm. matter um, in your 40s. Um, we're getting older. Like, I need to know if your credit score is a 522. Like, I that those are things <laughs> I need to know. Can you rent a car? <laughs> right. Right. Can you rent a car if, if we are going to merging our lives together you know can you afford to take trips I mean, can you, you 
know, afford a mortgage, like you afford to have a family. So, you know, all those tough conversations that we probably strayed away from in our 20s and 30s and just kind of said, oh, I really like him. I don't want to run him away by, you know, asking these you know, tough questions. No, we need to be asking them now. But you're okay. So I hear you. You're about to have me debate. Um, I hear you. Those questions okay. are very important. And so as you spit that, all I heard was, you know, how did you grow up? Um, can you afford what is your credit score? This, that, and the other. Um, but what about like the type of security a woman needs? Like, what does that look like for you? And how are you looking at that? Um, and, and we aren't sexist here. I'm just, I know females have a different mindset. Everybody needs a certain type of security in their relationships, partnerships, intimacy, and whatnot. But for you two specifically, what does that look like? I I don't think I've heard a woman describe, I need my man to be vulnerable and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and emotional and this, that, and the other, does that matter to you? Most definitely. Um, and I think, though, like, how do you get to knowing if he's willing to be vulnerable without having those tough conversations, mm. you know, to talk about how you grew up in a relationship with your mom and dad? Do you have them? Oh, you know, something happened. Have you guys been past it? Like, you know, I, I need to see that. And what will that mean for you, I guess, is what I want to know. Well, that would mean for me how you would handle, um, I guess, issues or difficult situations that would come up if, you know, we were to get together and to be serious. Like, would you run away, you know, at the first argument or are you going to stick it through? Um, Are you looking for a mother or are you looking for a partner? Or a grandmother. Those are cougars (laughs) out here. <laughs> you know, those are the things that I really need to know at this point. Because especially if he's in his forties too, I'm looking to see that, you know, you have a handle on, you know, mentally, um, the, the mindfulness that, that we're here to talk about today. Yes. Um uh, we're ready <laughs> <Plug> to <laughs> mindfully date as well. Okay. I love it. I love it. Well, again, I uh, we could go on. We might as well just schedule a part two. Maybe this is a two. I did say initially this was going to be a two part um, episode. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up for tonight. Um, let me first off say thank you all for being here. I know you are two very busy mothers. And, um, you know, I appreciate taking some time out to just jump on and assist with this. But, um, yeah, let's try to schedule another just two part or another um, follow up to this, I should say. And uh, whether it's next week or in a couple of weeks, it doesn't matter to me. But I think this is certainly some good conversation. I think it can help some folks. Um, And what I take from this is that all of us have our own work that we need to um, be doing for ourselves some self-discovery um, and that's part of what I hope this mindful zone segment brings to the audiences it allows for us to have dialogue with ourselves and really begin to have those tough tough conversations with ourselves 
because honestly, if we don't start facing and addressing um, the things that we run away from, we'll never be able to really sit down and embrace those tough conversations. A lot of times those things turn into confrontation because we just have not been able to deal with our own um, hurt and pain and trauma a lot of times. So certainly, certainly let this resonate with you and um, how it can be useful. Uh, Certainly make sure you share, subscribe, like this motherfucking podcast that I take time out weekly to do. Um, And for me, it's, you know, I was telling somebody earlier, if no one ever listened to it, it's fine with me. It allows me to um, get shit off my brain and, and tap into that journalist that I paid all that money to go to school for and never did it for real so (laughs) um all those pr courses and whatnot but i'm here now baby so again thank you diana andy i look forward to having you all back soon and um thank you for listening